You are now listening to On the Couch with Mary Jane. I invite you into my world of pleasure, power, and truth, where we discuss all things sexuality. Join me as I host leading experts and professionals who share their knowledge, trade secrets, and inspirations to feeling more empowered by what it is that we truly desire. Before we dive deep into these conversations, I want to remind you that the most intimate relationship is the one that you share with yourself. My guest today is an expert in her field with over 10 years of experience in sexual health and women's health. After graduating from the University of Montreal, she worked with the LGBTQ community, specializing in HIV and sexually transmitted diseases. She did that while still building her practice in aesthetic medicine. She then shifted towards bioidentical hormone therapy, where she developed a passion for witnessing firsthand how hormonal balance can affect both our physical and mental health. Welcome to my couch, Dr. Gabrielle Landry. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for receiving me. Yes, I'm very excited you're here. I think we have so much to talk about. Yes, I think so. You spent some time with the LGBTQ plus community, as I mentioned. Is that what made you want to specialize in hormone therapy? Walk us through what really drew you to this specialty. It's mm, so interesting. So when I started my practice um, more than 10 years ago, I started off as doing like RAMQ doctors, so really public services, and I was uh, specializing in <clears throat> sorry HIV and STDs. So I got a lot into this community, but I was like actually seeing a lot of um, problem in follow-ups and care for transgenders, mostly because all the STD clinic mostly are more like male doctors. So sometimes not super comfortable with hormones. Mm. So I was like, okay, me, I'm like, I'm a, I'm a woman. And definitely I love to speak about sexual health and like improving health. And given my aesthetic part, I think I really was meeting with women, older women that was actually looking for increasing their health. Not always like from the outside. Yes, Botox and fillers are fine, but mostly from the inside. So I got an interest, like a parallel interest in women's health and hormones and also I had my all my practice in LGBTQ and I saw a lot of, of suffering transgender patients who didn't have any access to care. So at that point, I kind of joined my two um, knowledge just to kind of kind of really integrate that into uh, transgender care. And then I was really used to do blood tests and levels and check what, what hormones give what has results. And that really gave me the, the experience to kind of really improve their health, but also translate it into my woman's practice. So it's really like super, um, like one practice really gives to the other. It's super like, it's a great practice. I think that's fascinating. I love that your approach really comes from that experience, you know, rather from like more of a traditional approach. I think that's what probably really gives you an edge, you know, and makes you an expert at this because you're really coming at it from a different perspective. Yeah, it's nice. And it's not something that all doctors do, like blood testing, checking the levels. It's really something that we see a lot of in transgender care. So we really dose and make sure that the estradiol level is fine, the testosterone level is fine. So it's really about checking how the people feel with their hormones. And that really gave me the hint about like what hormones need to be in 
someone's body and at certain levels to really like have good effects and mm. that's really great and for women for cisgender women also so it really gave yeah. me a lot of hint because i know even in in traditional medicine they don't really dose hormones like all the gynecologists they just prescribe they say you know take the estrogen take the progesterone and just leave yeah and that's one of the main things that patients tell me they're like i had this prescription prescription of hormones and and they're scared of them because like there's been so many miscommunication misunderstanding about hormones and then they just like they leave with their prescription but they don't have any follow-ups they don't have blood tests and they're like really lost so that's one of the main complaints i have in my in my office is just like i've been given this prescription that i don't know how to use it I don't i'm know. one of those people when i still have the prescription i haven't even fulfilled it yet because i don't know what to do with it it's crazy so that it's really a lack and it's a lack of knowledge that comes from 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 the core it's just like in medicine we we're not Todd, like we don't, we don't know how to do it. And they still, from now, they just say you don't have to do some, some screening. You don't have to check the levels and everything. So we don't know where to get the training. So we really have to go like in Ontario, in the States. It's really like super, it's another level of medicine. It's really integrative. But at the same time, it's something that you really need to like leave and just <laughs> go for yourself. You really have to learn it from the start. So it's very, it's a special part of medicine. Yeah. It's super interesting. Yeah. And I think between that and all of the women's health services that you offer, I think it's a very holistic approach. Yeah. So I it's think that's goal. really interesting. I love that. That's the goal. <laughs> so let's get right into it. And let's talk about how our physical and sexual health are connected. There's no denying that sexuality is very multifaceted. But I think that a great place to start is just by getting a medical assessment and being able to eliminate some medical um, issues or conditions that we can have. Yeah, definitely is. As you know, I've been starting as general doctor, so I've seen all many, and I've I really had an interest in dermal, dermal, uh, gynecological, but also uh, vulvar problems, like dermatological problems. So that's why I've seen so many things undiagnosed, and that's why it's really important for me when someone comes to for like a sexual health issue. I really want to see everything, so I really want to like do an exam and check and what's the impact on their life, and like do they have a therapist? Do they have a boyfriend? How's the relation? It's so complex so we can really go step by step and check their health check their hormones check their their environment like where do they live Are, do you have a partner like do you have pain do you have medical problem it's very complex but we can it's really important to have like a step-by-step -step approach to make sure that everybody's everything is really taken care of because like such small things can really influence <laughs> in someone's life like just like someone who comes to me and never had like a comfortable intercourse let's say And they've seen sexotherapists because in, in general medicine, sometimes they're going to say, okay, now maybe it's impacted on your way of seeing yourself. And so you have to see a therapist, you have to go get help. But when like you have an exam and you look and I found some, like there's actually autoimmune vaginitis, there's um, lichen sclerosis, that's so many pathologies that are really rare, but I see a lot in my practice because I evaluate them. So sometimes they have been prescribed like Diflucan like for many years and didn't help. So it has an impact because if you have intercourse with pain all your life, then 20 years later, you have pain all the time because you have vaginismus and then you anticipate. So it's super um, important to make sure that all the healthcare and the dermatological and the gynecological area is fine so that they can work on the other issues, which are kind of really important in women's health. 
And you mentioned that some of these conditions are rare, but are they really rare because they're uncommon or are they really rare because they're undiagnosed most mm, of the time? Yeah, definitely. So for sure, as being more like an expert in my field, I see all those patients that don't respond. So I get like sometimes referral from gynecologists, from internists, from um, specialists in, in infection. So sometimes I like I they have no other patient like per, the person to go to turn to so that's why I see them more I think it's kind of there's some entities like um, discomative inflammatory vaginitis which is kind of rare but I see them a lot and they're definitely undiagnosed like really rarely diagnosed nobody mm -hmm. really knows about it and like in sclerosis unfortunately sometimes it's very subtle so people don't have like the really like textbook uh, like vision like of the small labias and everything so sometimes it's harder to and sometimes I just lift the clitoris hood and I see there's it's it's really hard to lift it so they have only localized lichen sclerosis but if you don't examine really with like too roughly you you can you can't know so it's kind of it's a big impact for those women it's been like many years undiagnosed yeah definitely it's hard for them for sure I mean I think thank god you're here <laughs> <laughs> Um, can you walk us through also a little bit about our hormones and how that impacts our sexual desirability and, you know, arousal? Yeah, so it, at many levels, so I would say in general. So when a young girl starts having a period, so she she has all the hormones like taking place. Sometimes she's been prescribed um, contraception pills. So sometimes we know that oral contraception pill can increase SHBG, so reduce the testosterone. So we know at really early age, it can have an impact. Um, and after that, you know, sometimes in a lifetime, I see more women that get in, then getting pregnant and then stopping the pills. And then they see, because sometimes there's been many years on pills, so they don't know what are their, like, the real influence on their hormones on their sex life. And then when I see them for hormonal imbalances, I can really evaluate all their level if they have, like, premenopause um, or hormonal imbalances and really level those and check if the testo is normal, if the everything is really balanced and DHEA. There's many things that um, in general medicine we don't really evaluate and we don't really take into consideration. But definitely I see uh, a lot of, of women after um, having babies that have a lot of more symptoms. So is that because they stop the pills and the, the pills is kind of a quick fix because, you know, you anovulate. So sometimes you kind of help the hormonal imbalances but at some point when you get older uh, you don't necessarily want to have the pill forever in your 40s and early menopause so that's why I see mostly my my old practice mostly about those women like in the late 30s 40s that have like those symptoms and they start having PMS and they never had that in the past either they were taking pills or not and we know it's something that's happening with their body so they don't produce as much or they don't produce or they have anovulatory cycles so they don't as much progesterone and that's that's really what I aim on discovering and try to help them and I give them many options but it's very something that we're not taught about like to, we're not learned we don't learn about it and we we can't we can't know if we don't get go get information somewhere else yeah for sure I mean I think I'm calling your clinic tomorrow morning <laughs> because I feel like you just described me yeah. I was on the pill for about 10 years and then um, after I got pregnant with my first child I uh, didn't want to take the pill again because I felt like it had disrupted my hormonal balance but I even though I've never taken the pill again since I feel like I still haven't been able 
to rebalance my hormones and I've tried so many different things and you know but I don't think I've ever really gotten properly tested to really understand what's going on mm -hmm. you know but you know there's some women who actually um even at a young a young age they have like um, dysphoria with like PMS really intense PMSing so it's not just about imbalance with, that come with age or like problem with ovaries or like it's really there's some people who are just more sensitive to their home hormonal fluctuation so it can happen super early in life but when it comes a little, little bit later and after pregnancies that's why i'm saying okay there's something that was not there before and now it's coming so there's definitely something about the levels and the imbalances so that's why it gives me a hint a little bit of what could it be the cause or so i never said my patient like oh your 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 like screening is normal like are, are you normal your hormones are normal it's just for me it's just a question of knowing which hormones which symptoms they experience mm. and which hormones can be causing it in certain I way understand. or which imbalance yeah so it's a very customized approach yeah not right. every it's not a one size not everybody needs the same levels of progesterone and no. estrogen and and testosterone definitely okay wow i feel like that's something people have no idea i think yeah. we think that it's just you know there's like a um an average level that we should be at and you know it so fluctuates so much in women so it's very something that it's so different from a part of, of a cycle to the other and it, it's something that when we get old and we have an ovulatory cycle then we lack sometimes the other hormones it's really something that uh, comes with age but also for so many factors that can influence it so yeah And so how does this influence like our libido? Yes. So um, I would say, so libido in general, it's really multifactorial. So we say it's a lot influenced by how you feel about yourself. Mm -hmm. Like if you gain weight, if your partner, how your, how is your relation for you, with your partner. So for me, it's really about improving um, the balance of women's hormones, so estrogen and progesterone. And, but there's been a few studies showing that in the premenopausal women and menopausal women, um, when you have optimized estrogen and progesterone, they still have a problem with libido. It's called HSDD, hypoactive sexual desire disorder. Um, when you have like no desire, no fantasies, no masturbation, like everything is zero and you're kind of suffering from it. There's been studies showing that a little bit of cream of testosterone, which is way um, less concentrated than we would give for andropause or for um, TRT, like testosterone replacement therapy for men. But we can compound it and we have to know the recipes, but it's possible to try it at some point. So we know there's an influence with testosterone, but it's not just testosterone who gives the libido. I'm always yeah. saying my patient, you know, women's hormones also like libid libidiners. <laughs> so it's something that increases libido. But um, yeah, it's really something to... But I think it's a good place to start by, you know, already being able to determine that this is not necessarily the primary factor that's, in, that's influencing your libido. If you have a low libido, you eliminate that it's not a hormonal mm -hmm. issue. And then we can move forward towards yeah. you know other aspects in your life that can influence definitely right? yeah it's important to know that if for a while let's say it was really a hormonal imbalance at first but if for a while you have had this imbalance it plays on how you see yourself as sexual being mm. also so for me i'm never like kind of we well, yes i go with step by step but i really want to like 
put all the efforts. So I would really like see if that affects the way, she, like let's say a woman sees herself as a sexual being. So I know that it's gonna be helping to go see a sexologist for sure, but also physiotherapist if there's anything in their pelvic yeah. floor, if there's any vaginismus, if there's. So it's really uh, something that I want to be like a really holistic and global approach because. If it was just a hormonal imbalance at first, then it had an influence on your sex life and then it became an issue. So mm. it's really always intricated kind of. Yeah. Sure. And so do you get a lot of women who come in and who say that they don't enjoy their sex life, that oh, they, yeah. um, you know, and, and do you find that a lot of them almost feel like it's normal to mm-hmm. not want to have sex as much and they just think that it's just part of, you know, being a wife and a mom and... Yeah. And often they've been like when they ask their doctors, they just say, yes, well, it's normal. You know, you're getting older. So like it's not like just uh, no, it's it's life like it's supposed like women were supposed to suffer and not enjoy life. So same thing as as PMS. It's just like, oh, I'm sorry, but you're a woman. So you have to suffer. That's the deal. So the same thing. I see that all the time. Women who think that it's normal and they see their 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 husband and they still have libido and they're like, why what's happening with me and people are just like it's like society except that yeah you know women they're at some point they don't have as much libido as men so at some point in their, in their life it's they're not interested but yeah. it's just because their hormones are not there they they sometimes they have pain just because they have atrophy and like a lot of dryness and they don't want to have sex anymore so it's kind of it's suffering for it like they don't recognize themselves yeah. and the day from another sometimes it's very fast the difference some like ladies, they tell me like I I was I had a high libido. It was really important for me in my my in my life in general, and I was enjoying it. And now I just have no interest at all. It's just zero. So yeah, I see a lot of of women suffering from this loss. So I think there is a um, an idea that um, men, I think it's in like their 30s or 40s that they tend to like peak and then women like, you know, that there's a certain age in life and men and women where we peak sexually. Do you think that's true? (laughs) Um, I think so well. I think for men, it's well, we see a lot. I, I do andropause, so I do a, a lot of test, testosterone replacement therapy. So I see that men after 30, they lose around 1% of the testosterone. So it's really gradual. So I think men, they're definitely peaking in their 20s. Um, I think the difference with women is that probably we're like our libido and the way of seeing yourself as a woman kind of evolve with like no maturity and knowing our bodies and knowing yourself. So that's why I think it's, a, it's peaking normally in our heads, mostly mm. like a holistic approach of how you feel about yourself. Yes. So I think women would be a little, a little later in life because when we start probably the, the first intercourse, it's not as nice for us ladies that as men, I think the men, when they, when they start their sex life, it's like super exciting for women. We have to like, know, like, what do we like? Am I yes. more clitoridian, more vaginal? Like mm-hmm. it's very, it's very complicated for women. Yes. So that's why I think it's mostly women a little later. But it's very sad if we think about especially those years that get a little later for women mm. and then they have kids and then they don't sleep because yeah. of the kids or many other aspects. And then there's hormonal imbalances that comes. So like everything that they would be supposed to enjoy at that time, they just can't because it's it's too late. Like there's many things that got in their way for like being super emancipated as, as women. 
Yeah. It's hard. And do you think that like for men, it's a little bit more straightforward? Like it's very physical, but like for us women, it's like, there's so much more, right? It's mental, it's, it's energetical, it's physical, it's a combination. And that's why it happens maybe a little later in life because we also... Uh, gain more confidence, you know, with age. And so, you know, there's, I think that there's so much, there's such a strong connection between our confidence and our sexuality. So, yeah, definitely. I think in all like sexology conferences, they always say like, man, it's really when they get physical, then after they get the connection. And for the women, mm. like it's totally contrary. You get the connection in your head and then you get physical. So it's really like, Yeah, so it's very complicated for women, so especially when the mood is not there and the physical is like need the emotional part and then libido is is everything for us kind of. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the other physical symptoms that someone can have around their sexual health. You know, we spoke about hormones, but I think that, you know, there's other physical conditions that we can have. And I think in your clinic, you offer some treatments for these kinds of uh, conditions. So let's first talk about the O-shot. Yeah. <laughs> so I would say, so in sexual health, there's many uh, technologies that exist to kind of improve sexual health. Um, at my clinic, so Elna Sexual Wellness, we kind of really try to make this like I said, always a holistic approach because it's never just one technology is going to get rid of all the problems because everything leads to another problem. Like <laughs> if you have pain during intercourse, definitely you have got to have an impact on your couple. So that's why for me, when I see a patient, it's just not okay. Then you, ha you can have, like you have dryness, you can have a, a laser for your dryness and then I close the door. It's really just like, okay, how did that impact? And that's why mm -hmm. I talk about hormones and then I talk about orgasmia. So if we want to talk about the O-shot, it's mostly based on the fact that um, PRP injection, so pla plasma, uh, platelet-rich plasma, that uh, really acts on regenerating everything, the collagen, elastin. So it's really regenerating its growth factors also that are re-injected locally. Um, it's been working a lot in orthopedics for um, regenerating uh, ligaments in like knees replacement, uh, also in alopecia for um, hair a regrowth and um, also in PRP. So when we inject it locally, we we we're trying to increase the vascularity, but also the um, the fibers and the nerves. So that's what we aim on doing on, in uh, injecting it. So we're gonna inject it in the clitoris and also on the uh, G spot. So that's why it's really gonna. So it takes time. It's not like a quick fix. And I never would say, okay, just you just need an O shot and you'll be fine with your anorgasmia. It's way more complex than that, anorgasmia. So there's so many uh, causes that can explain. It can be a primary, so someone who never had an orgasmia in their life, or someone who just want the O shot because they want to have more sensation, but before making sure that they don't have any disease, like, mm. like sclerosis or anything that's kind of could be uh, covering the, the clitoris. So that's why it's really... It's very complex and it needs to be taken care of uh, in every level. So make sure that there's no pathology before we prescribe any kind or recommend any kind of sexual wellness technologies. I think there's like a impression that with the O-shot, you'll be just sitting at your desk and all of a sudden you're just going to have this incredible orgasm, you know? Is this true? Like what is really like the results of the O-shot? I would say so. So that's why I really have a holistic approach because no, I'd, I'd never heard about that. But I've heard success stories like a woman who told me that she, let's say, injection in the G spot, she never had vaginal um, ejaculation, vaginal orgasm. 
uh, in the past. And then when squirting, she that, so <laughs> what people call squirting, right? Yeah, but you can have a, a vaginal orgasm without squirting. So okay. that's kind of a little different. But yes, um, so I have like those women who, who come for their old shot pretty regularly because they kind of want to orgasm on a Tuesday night and then they never had that in the past. So definitely I've seen some success stories. But, you know, in general, the thing is, that I really want to explain to women is that um, it's so complex. <laughs> like anorgasmia, yeah? if you have, let's say you come to see me at 40, 50 years old and you never had an orgasm. So that's it's not super common. Some people, they just want to increase their orgasm or their intensity. So that that's what I would see in general. Like someone who just come for OSHA, they already had an orgasm, but they feel less and, you know, they want to try it. So they like it. But like usually I would kind of recommend other things. So if they have dryness, I'm going to recommend either a cream or either a laser. So that's why I'm going to really put everything in together. So the question is, is it really the O-shot? It's just because the way I, I practice medicine is super holistic. So it's really hard to know exactly what, but I've never heard someone who's just like sitting in an <laughs> orgasm, <laughs> having an orgasm. But um, I have some success stories that we like, okay, there's nothing else so much that we did that make explain why she has so much results. So that's why it's really a question of taking a woman as a whole and really complex <laughs> entity. Um, so let's now discuss a little bit about our physical um, aesthetics and how a woman, how a woman feels about herself physically impacts her um, sexual desire and arousal yeah definitely so it could be there like well the first thing i see is women in premenopause gaining a little bit of weight and don't feeling because you know women it's all about how we feel about ourselves like when we have intercourse we want to like feel sexy and show ourselves and that's where we get more like you know into it and it's more pleasant for ourselves and for our partners so definitely the old body the old body image but also yes yeah, small thing like aesthetic more related to uh like the more and more medical aesthetic injections like botox and fillers and lasers and everything you can do to improve yourself so it's all playing on the way you see yourself as a woman i see more and more women seeking information about genital aesthetic also like my labia Yes. Are they too small? Are mm -hmm. they too big? Like, what's going on? Could they be more firm? Like, laxity? Like, it's a lot of, it's a lot of people, like, ask me for it. I'm always trying to reassure, as I would do in, in aesthetic of the face, for sure, like, everything ages. And this region, you know, ages as our face do. And it's true that it's a little less visible. Like, don't, people don't see it as much. But it can impact because women, sure. when they come to see me, let's say someone has two babies and then... Uh, something goes wrong with the husband and then she separates and then she feels, oh my God, I have so much laxity and like I'm scared that someone's going to have an intercourse with me and it's going to feel nothing. And it's it's really a lot of things that I see in my office every day. So that's why I, I kind of want to talk to them about you know physical therapy, but also lasers that can help increase in collagen and elastin. So there's ways of increasing aesthetic in the gynecological region. Um, but it's something that's not really known and it's really something that's not really talked about much. But I'm always trying to like normalize the genitals. That's the way, you know, I'm trying to see. So like not about referring necessarily people into plastic surgery of the, of the labias because we know labias are part of our of our sex life. Also, they really, there's nerves there and it's good for sexual pleasure. So that's why I'm really trying to normalize it. But at the same time, there's something we can do if there's a suffering uh, if it's about vaginal laxity or dryness or 
something like that. Yeah, but that's funny because I've had three kids and I always said, I'm like, if something happened like in my vagina area, like I would absolutely get like reconstructive surgery because I wouldn't feel good about myself if that area was like, you know, um, paired apart. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I know. You know, I, I've seen so many vulvas and vaginas in my life, so I, I don't have for myself this thought because I know like how it's working when you when you have vaginal birth and then how you, you know, I've had my surgeon just by myself who told, told me when they did the suture kind of yeah. after and it's just like, oh, we're going to make it tighter for your husband. He actually said me that and I'm like... My husband, when I had crazy. my first and I had a 24-hour labor, it was like brutal. I was pushing for four, like it was so dramatic and my husband at the end of it was like well can you ask add a few stitches to make it tighter and like Those I was guys. like yeah <laughs> I was just... like how does he think of this after everything we've been through you it's know crazy. clearly we know who's doing all the work and it doesn't change much like except for the women to feel more like pain because the entry is not the where the, the the area we're going to feel pleasure for them you know it's way better to have like a tight vagina like vaginal canal and not just the entry is not going to change much so it's just about like rehabilitation like physical therapy and mostly laser that can increase the regeneration of the tissues mostly but the fact of having just that ring at the entry to be more tight yeah. is that really going to change anything yeah and it's for us definitely not it's not yeah. it's just, it just can be more painful yeah, for us absolutely. and i've seen the difference i don't know for it did he did he stitch you more for no me? no because okay. he did for me <laughs> oh, shit. and i've seen the difference like at some point at first but it kind of loosed up mm -hmm. but i was like why did he do that? I never asked for it. It's just maybe if you want to tie the whole thing, but it's not like a vaginoplasty. It's just yeah, like a yeah, exactly. Anyway. But speaking of tightening the whole thing, I think one of uh, the other treatments that you offer is the Diva yep. laser. So um, can you tell a little bit about this treatment and yep. uh, its benefits? Yeah, so it's a combine, combining of a laser, a, a fractional laser and non-ablative. And non so ablative, non-ablative. So it really aim on like targeting more collagen, elastin production. So it's really something that's going to act locally. And there's different kind of tweak that we can do. So if we can change the parameters just to really treat the atrophy and the dryness, or we can really tweak it so we get more incontinence related. Because always my patient, you know, the vaginal wall, when it's kind of loose or more lax, uh, it's a little bit like, vaginal can canal is a little bit like, um, like a trampoline, I would say, for the bladder. So you have better support, then you have less incontinence. So we can really focus on the interior wall. So really the wall of the vagina that supports the bladder and there's also other protocols that can help with just general laxity just to help in a general way increasing the fibers and get more pleasure at some point but as we know pleasure is more than just the vaginal wall it's very complex um apart from that yeah it's really like so a laser that regenerates as we do a laser on the face to just stimulate regeneration of the tissue and kind of um rejuvenation i agree i think that um, for a female, our f this feeling of feeling sexy is really like the essence and the core of who we are. Well, that brings me to my last question, but I think we covered it. But do you agree that our sexual health is critical factor of our overall well-being? <laughs> yes, I really think we did. But definitely, I just I see I'm I'm really happy that I can actually offer all technologies, but mostly the hormones. And I think as a doctor, I kind of 
you know, it's it's not just like you graduate medicine and you get all this information and you just, but it's really something that, you know, as an intern, I was doing like an internship in France in dermatological, like vulvovaginal dermatology. And that's really like built me to like, you know, and I was really into like my closest friend was a gay guy and I was just like in this so I think like the world and everything was like aligned. So I became what I became and I was actually someone who takes care of himself, training and doing like that. So it's just, I'm always aiming on being the best doctor because I'm actually looking for what could be good for myself. I'm actually feeling like seeing myself and my patients and like I, I'm getting older and I want the best for me also. And when I feel at my best, it's when my sexual health is on point, when my aesthetic is on point, and when my hormones on point. And that's yeah. my whole, I think my whole career is based on like everything that I felt inside myself that I'm like, okay, I don't have like, what, what can I do to help myself? <laughs> and then what can I do to help my patients? So it's really about like being the best you can be, best, best version best version of yourself finally just being who you are at your maximum so that's why like i'm always thinking my patient and my friends and like if you're around me you know you're gonna stay young forever because <laughs> i want to stay young forever yes. So that's the goal and just yes try, you know just gravi gravitate around and you'll be fine because yeah that's my goal absolutely and i think we talk a lot about physical health we talk about mental health but like we don't talk as much as sexual health and sexual health is just as important as the two others, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and, and having, you know, a strong connection with ourselves sexually, but also with our partners is something that can be very rejuvenating, and right? And powerful. And very powerful. Mm. Yeah. Thank you so much <laughs> for being on my couch today, my Dr. Pleasure. Landry. It's an honor. Right, thank you very much. <laughs> it's been very nice. I hope you enjoyed this episode of On the Couch with Mary Jade. This journey is about you and me together, so make sure you share your questions, your thoughts, and your interests. You can do that either on my website, maryjade.com, or by connecting with me on Instagram at On the Couch with MJ. You can also connect with me on my personal page at The Mary Jade. If you want to continue to uncover all things sexuality with me, then hit subscribe or follow wherever you're listening to this podcast. I really would love to hear your feedback. So if you can take a moment to rate and review this episode, I would really appreciate it. And lastly, if you love what you heard, then make sure you share it with a friend. Thank you. And until next time on the couch with Mary Jade. <laughs>